Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. Today we're going to be talking about the Consumer Electronics Show, the annual technology extravaganza held in Las Vegas every January. It's where brands offer a peek at the products, gadgets and gizmos that may shape our lives in the near future. So what were the big trends at CES 2020? To discuss this, I'm joined by Simon Levitt, Global Creative Technology Director at Imagination, a global experience agency that pushes the boundaries of storytelling using immersive technologies. And Elspeth Taylor, Assistant Editor of Consumer Attitudes and Technology at Stylus, both of whom attended CES this year. Welcome to you both. So before we get to CES, Simon, could you tell us a little bit about the work you do at Imagination? Yeah, sure. Well, Imagination's a global experience agency, and we work with brands like Ford, MasterCard, Major League Baseball to create custom-led experiences. So it's human-centered design that we focus on, but it's a full-service agency. So uh, 3D design, physical stand build, all of the interactive touch points to go along the journey, and measuring all that as well. So we're working in things like events, media launches, brand homes, B2B um, brand centres, um, and also kind of retail experiences. So quite a neat, neat position to kind of blend all of these things together um, because we're all sitting do, un, under one roof doing work um, all, all has one uh, sort. Um, so we use this technology a lot in our experiences, uh, sometimes very visibly for things like virtual reality and sometimes um, more quietly to create a kind of seamless connected journey behind the scenes for the customers. Great. So could you give an example of like some of the work you do? Yeah, sure. So um, one, one of the really nice examples we have is uh, working with Jaguar. Um, so they launched the iPace concept car uh, a few years ago. And uh, one of the things that we were doing for them uh, for the launch is we used virtual reality to do the first kind of car launch. So this was done not only in uh, London, but also in Los Angeles, and that was where the main launch took place. And it was done in real time with all the users in VR at the same time. Um, and they could all see each other um, as well. And we also had uh, the uh, lead designer for Jaguar there, and he was beamed into the virtuality stage to be able to kind of talk about the vehicle as well. So we were working with uh, HTC on that. And um, what we were able to do also is <clears throat> when the car was being launched in virtuality so people could see it. We also silently bought the car on stage uh, because it was an electric car, it was all quiet. So when people took off their headsets, the car was, the car was there in right. front of them. So, um, <clears throat> and it, so, so this was kind of like a really, really complex system, as you can imagine. 60 headsets, um, people kind of like uh, uh, in, in real time able to see each other, which is one of the problems with VR, right, is that it's quite a solo thing. So we're trying to, trying to, trying to break down those barriers. Um, and also... Uh, using cloud uh, solutions to be able to kind of uh, beam in real time somebody actually doing a presentation to everybody in different locations. Fantastic. So, Ellie, you reported on CES for Stylus. Can you tell us about the event and why it's so important? Well, as you said, it's an annual event and it's the biggest tech trade show of the year. Over 175,000 people attended last year's show. This year's numbers haven't been released yet, but they are expected to top that. And huge tech brands and emerging startups all congregate at CES and they use it as a launchpad for their newest technology. For example, 
innovations such as the VCR, wireless chargers, Blu-ray disc, 4G phones, amongst other technology, they were all launched and introduced to the public at previous CES. Um, Brands can win awards for devices that demonstrate either new technology or provide an original solution to a consumer problem. And it really sets the tone for the following years of developments in consumer technologies. So you were both there. Um, I'll ask you both, what um, were the standout products or piece of technology you saw and, and why? Well, Simon? There was one thing that I was really excited about, and uh, it was on the Delta stand. Uh, and it was uh, put together by a company called Misapply Sciences, one of the partners of Delta. Um, and they announced it at the keynote. So Delta had a keynote. First time they were there, had a presence. Um, I was interested because I thought they were going to talk about the future of transportation and comes to air travel. They didn't really touch on that so much. But what was really interesting is when they brought in lots of different, different partners to kind of talk about what they were doing. And one of the, one of the things they're trying to transform is the experience in the airport. The kind of confusion of having lots of bits of information displayed um, in lots of different locations, um, and everybody have to kind of like try and find out what it is. It's not very personalised at all. So they talked about the ability uh, to be able to show just your flight to you on a screen, um, even though everybody else was looking at the same screen. Uh, so hyper personalised kind of in, in, in information. Um, this was kind of like um, a bit of a surprise at the keynote because we didn't quite understand how it worked. But uh, they announced that they also kind of showing it on the Delta stand so you could go and do the tour. Um, so we went, we went and uh, had a look. And what they've done with this work by Misapply Science is they're, they're a Seattle-based company and they've been keeping stuff kind of under wraps for, 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 quite, for quite some time. Um, but now they've kind of got... Um, uh, enough permissions to be able to kind of like release it without uh, kind of uh, worries about patents and copyrights. Um, and what the technology is 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 doing is just as they say. We went through the experience where you signed up, you put your name in, you uh, put the place you were travelling in, and they gave you a kind of QR code, like a like a boarding pass ticket. And when you went in, you scanned your boarding pass, and on the screen in front of you, it would say. Hi Simon, welcome to the airport. This is this is where you're travelling to. The person next to me did the same thing, looking at the same screen. It would say, "Hi Michael, this is where you're travelling to." Seeing different information, even though we we were standing next to each other, and not only that, as we walked around, we would still see the same information. So it was quite amazing to kind of like understand how that sort of technology work. Um, what was actually happening is. Uh, first of all, something that was we do know is already achievable. They're using cameras to track you, um, like very accurately, but kind of blob tracking. So not not face recognition, I don't think, but blob tracking. And the other thing that they were doing is they invented a completely different type of pixel. Uh, and this it just kind of blew me away, really, how, how all of this works. What the pixel is doing is, rather than like a normal pixel sending out a particular colour that everybody can see, it can send out multiple colours in specific directions targeted at people so they can see the screen and the content on it differently. Wow. Now, this was um, definitely a prototype. Uh, it was low res. There weren't that many colours being shown. But obviously, that's what CS is there for. It's there to show that type, that type of thing. Metaply Sciences and Delta, they are releasing, uh, they're doing a, a, a first test of this at the Detroit airport in the summer. And uh, from there, they're going to look at kind of like what's, what, what's next. Um, 
imagine at the moment, well, at the moment they're just kind of tied in working with Delta, which is absolutely right as they should be. But um, ultimately, um, the use cases for it are uh, quite, quite wide and quite amazing, this idea of having hyper-personalized content. I mean, you can imagine how it could work as you're walking around shopping malls, how it could work in cars, how you could even potentially be in your own home with hyper-directional sound, this, this type of pixel, like watching completely different things on your TV to the person next to you. Um, so, yeah, that, that's def- definitely the sort of thing that is one of the most useful for my type of industry, potentially in the future, um, but, but also, also something that I, I never really expected to see and honestly didn't understand how it worked until, until the Gossamer Applied Sciences went, went through it with me. Fantastic. What about you, Ellie? I'd definitely say Simon stole the best bit of tech that I'd seen. I thought you'd go for that one. Um, going a little bit lower, Fi, the, my favourite thing that I saw was a sun visor for cars from Bosch. And it folds down to block out the sun. But instead of being completely opaque like traditional ones are, it was made from a transparent liquid crystal display, so an LCD. And using a driver interface camera, it tracks where the driver's eyes are and where the sun would be hitting the driver's eyes and then makes the visor opaque only where that interface between the sun and the eyes are, leaving the rest of the visor completely transparent so it's not blocking any of the road uh, for the driver's sight. So it's just this really great bit of safety technology that, again, wasn't really expected from from Bosch, but it won um, an innovation award at CES. And it's just a very clever bit of technology that really acknowledges consumer experience and comes up with just quite a simple but very clever solution. Great. Now, Simon, you mentioned earlier that you, you work with VR a lot. Um, was there anything at CES in that space, in, in, uh, in mixed reality, that you, that you were interested in? Yeah, so there was, um, there's always a lot of new stuff at CES to do with AR and VR. And actually, I think there's probably less this year than it has been in other years. Um, hopefully, uh, it has become, it's become more concise and therefore better because of that. Uh, but the main theme was the light weighting. Um, and... Uh, one of the stuff, one of the things that we saw with AR, um, in particular, was the idea of putting them into a form factor of standard glasses that you would wear. Um, so you had devices for, say, Unreal, which are, which were a lot lighter. Um, you could put on your head like normal glasses, um, and they're powered by your mobile device. And again, that was that was a theme, uh, rather than putting trying to put the power kind of like elsewhere, like on on the glass itself, powered by your mobile device, often Android devices as well. So you can actually create an app in Android, put it onto your phone, and then that links to um, the, the Unreal Glass or the other type of AR glasses that you have. Uh, so you can use that um, uh, to create your AR experience, which kind of really opens it up again to marketeers to, to kind of use that type of technology. The really nice thing about that was the price point. It was about $500. Um, so it's quite accessible to kind of buy, play around with. If you wanted to kind of like buy lots of them for a particular experience you wanted to put together, you could, you could definitely do that. Along the same lines, one of the other things that we saw were people putting bets on 5G and AR together. So not using your mobile device, but having um, your the same sort of form factor glasses, but connected directly with the cloud and doing all the work on the cloud um, and then and then and then sending it back down again. These these weren't as mature, um, of course, um, but you can see how that might work out in the next kind of five or six years time. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned 5G there because uh, we hear a lot about it. 
some people are like it's just a it's just a step change it's not going to transform things but for for these sorts of experiences do you think it will be a have a bigger bigger impact yeah i mean i think it will transform things um i don't think it's something that we're going to see in the next couple of years um but when it does um the amount of the amount you could do with it is going to be incredible i mean you're talking about like being able to download an entire back catalogue of films of of a director in five seconds so you, you no longer kind of have to think about um uh, the type of content that you're sending, you can just kind of like push it out. So it's really going to be more about how the device handles it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still quite a long way away from something that we're going to be seeing like day to day in our lives. So CES, uh, they feature a lot of stuff around transportation and autom- automotive. Did you see anything interesting this year? The Mercedes Avatar concept car was a real standout for me from the show because it was trying to really blend the idea of man and machine and the future of transportation when we enter a more autonomous driving experience and also keeping in mind the planet. So Mercedes were very keen to highlight the fact that they were trying to enter into the circular economy, making their production a lot more sustainable. So this concept car runs off a very low-impact graphene-based organic cell battery, which is completely free from the toxic and very expensive metals that batteries are usually built on. And it's fully compostable as well. Um, The car also features multi-directional solar plates, which um, provide energy for technology within the car, like sensors and chips. Um, And that, that was a real standout for me because it's just showing that the automotive industry really knows that consumers are looking to make more sustainable choices across all facets of their life including their car technologies yeah simon so for me one of the things uh, was that if you want to see a car at ces you don't just have to go to an oem stand an automotive stand you can go to electronic stands too and, and and see cars so sony samsung lg they all had one sony launched the vision s which had 33 sensors um, 360 audio, all the stuff that Sony is good at. Uh, and I found this kind of really interesting because what it looked like to me is that the electronic companies and the automotive manufacturers, the OEMs, are kind of peacocking around each other, showing showing off what they can and can't do. But ultimately, they're going to have to really work together to be successful. So what Sony were doing is the stuff that they're good at. And the concept car... It, I'm pretty sure it's never really going to come to light. So they aren't going to make a car and release it and launch it. But they are in a great position to be able to enable the other OEMs to actually uh, improve the cars that they're already working on. And one of the other things that we saw is the whole nature of what we mean by transportation and car is completely changing. The model is completely changing. All of the automotive manufacturers... They're talking about not um, not selling cars, but talking about mobility. They're talking about connected cities. They're talking about infrastructure. So um, the conversation has been changing for a while. I think now we're going to start to see um, those collaborations kind of come together, and the next decade is going to be about going to be about um, those collaborations. And I think the most the people who do it well are going to be the ones that are going to be successful, not just with the car manufacturers and electronics companies, but also with cities, uh, with the big tech companies too. All of those need, need to kind of work in the same space. One company that really encapsulates that is uh, Toyota because they launched their Woven City concept at CES and they are building a literal 
smart city just near Mount Fuji in Japan. And it's all going to be based on an infrastructure that supports driverless vehicles. So there's going to be different streams in the city where there's fast, very small mobility devices for the sort of last mile journeys and then driverless autonomous cars that that will take more shipping and um, mass transportation applications so it's it's going to be a, a living test city for this kind of inter interwoven interlinked city developments that automotive companies and cities are already looking towards yeah so like people could actually live there as well yeah. that's that, that's also his vision which which is kind of like really exciting the other thing i think we saw quite a lot of was uh this idea of the flying car uh <laughs> so you got hyundai um working with uber to kind of dis this sort of taxi, this flying, flying, flying taxi. The other one that was really interesting was um, Pegasus International. They had like a, a small presence, but um, what they were doing is like literally having a, a vehicle that could move and then transform into something that could fly. Apparently, with a touch of one button, um, it would it would make it would make that change, and you're ready to take off in 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 a few seconds. Um, so the the type of kind of science fiction we've been talking about for a while may may come to light. I'm not sure about the regulations around it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's Australia based uh, company, so maybe they've got a bit more territory to kind of fly 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 around in than you would do in a in a city London. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, obviously we're talking here about stuff which is quite far in the future if it ever comes to light at all. So did you see stuff that's, you know, ready to use now? Um, and Simon, particularly, is there anything that you think you might uh, incorporate into your work at Imagination? Yeah, so w- when we look at the sort of technologies that we might use, we kind of put them into two broad categories. The first is something that is quite bleeding edge and innovative, um, and that in itself is PRable. Um, and then when tied together with one of our clients' stories, it can it, it can like really help um, to tell that story. And people are excited and interesting be- because it's new. Um, things along those lines that we have are um, flexible displays, so flexible screens. Um, so when we're kind of creating an experience, um, uh, there's, there's been a lot of flexible screens at, at CES. Um, and, uh, and this means ones that are bendable, they can be put onto different surfaces, they can be bent around different objects as well to display information in kind of innovative ways. I can imagine us using something like that to make kind of really interesting uh, brand displays. The, the other thing as well that we might do is um, technology that's matured a little bit, so it doesn't need to be monitor, monitored so closely. And this could go into, say, our retail experiences or something like that, which has uh, a lot of people over a long period of time. Um, Things like the uh, micro LED displays, they're really interested for us because um, uh, these, these kind of tiny tiles, really, really high resolution. Um, they were released um, a couple of years ago, but the price point is super, super high. Um, but, but when the price point comes down, um, again, you can make really, really innovative LED displays using these micro tiles. Another thing that's really interested us um, is this idea of different types of touch surfaces. So um, there's a company called Ultrasense, which has developed uh, a kind of haptic haptic sensor um, using sound uh, for touch. So um, it, uh, a bit like um, on, on your phone keyboard, right? You've got some haptic feedback. Well, this just does it with sound. So then you don't actually need a screen or an interface or even a button to be able to actually action anything. You can kind of like use sound pulses to know where 
to, to push down on and then the device can react in a certain way. So being able to kind of take the um, displays that we do, the experiences that we do uh, away from obvious types of interactions into something new, something beautiful, especially for luxury brands, this is a really nice territory. In the back to the automotive space, Audi had a very interesting mixed reality 3D head-up display. So it's not going to be in any of their cars anytime soon, but the the technology is there and will be coming. And it means that they can overlay information on the windscreen. So drivers will be looking out onto the road and they will have navigation and information on directions and the, the car's health, as it were overlaid on the reality so it's something that it helps with driver concentration because it's just there in front of them the 3d display means that they're not refocusing their eyes when they're looking at this and it'll just help streamline driving and safety even further and that's something we're seeing quite a lot at ces at this different stands this mixed reality applications whether that be in education tools i saw a lot of uh, brands that were showing products that you scan and then it brings brings images to life to help children learn, but it's still integrating that reality. So thinking about everything that you saw over the week, if there's one big trend that you took away that brands right now should know about and, and, and start thinking about for their work over the next 12 months, what would it, what would it be? Um, so, so for me, the, like, the, the big trend was collaboration of things. Um, we talked about it a little bit in the automotive space about the electronics companies and motor coming together, but you're also seeing it with the idea of AI working with edge computing devices to make something new and something smart. Um, one of the things that uh, was talked about quite a lot is this idea of the Internet of Things changing to the intelligence of things. All of these devices having a level of intelligence, all of them having uh, AI kind of baked into them to help predict what you're doing and how you, and how you do it. So for our brands, starting to tell stories um, about how things intelligently connect together is really interesting. And uh, a lot of the, the work around that is behind the scenes. So how you communicate that to customers is something that's quite complicated. So we need to be really clever about how we say that in a way that um, is meaningful to them um, and is about the why of using it rather than the how it actually works behind the scenes. I'd say um, sort of future-proofing was something that I saw a lot at CES. So whether that be looking ahead at how autonomous vehicles are going to drive safely and all the safety tech that's been introduced, whether that be smart sensors or something like the the visor that I mentioned earlier, or even going on to just making very real-world solutions to existing problems just with this smart tech. So making sure all of these developments are looking to solve a problem. That's something that I've really thought came out of it. Fantastic. Well, I, uh, I hope that the uh, flying cars are future-proofed <laughs> in that sense. What a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for, for giving your insights into, into what is um, a, an amazing show of, uh, of future-facing technology. I'd like to thank my guests, Simon Levitt and Elspeth Taylor, and thank you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for more future thinking from Stylus. 
You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends that you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available. 